Maybe I'm just nostalgic Or maybe it's truly magical I'm Andrew. And I'm Brooke. And this is the Disneyto Podcast. So last week we said that we'd be discussing a topic that was emailed to us from one of you, but shortly after that we realized that we had almost gotten through all of June without mentioning Gay Days at Disney, which happens every June. Which led us to describing the times Disney broke social norms and decided since June is National Coming Out Month that we would take some time to focus on all the things that Disney does to continue to drive the promotion and diversity of within their movies and parks. So, let's talk about that. General disclaimer. Again, my dogs are with us. You'll hear chewing, barking, licking, growling, whining. It's okay. It's just them. Two types of whining tonight. The wine we are drinking and the whining that comes from my dog's cute little squishy <laughs> face. All right. So, we're talking about gay the days gay at days at Disney. Yes. Plus a couple other topics about Disney breaking uh, sexual orientation norms. Yes. We're going to kind of go through that. But I think, Andrew, you should lead us through gay days a little bit. Let's talk about it. So I personally never experienced gay days at Walt Disney World. But um, essentially it's a loosely organized event where lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender individuals, their families, friends, supporters, advocates, whoever, you know, everybody's there at Disney World on a single day each year to celebrate that diversity and that community. It's something that started back in the early 90s, back in 1991, with over 3,000 people from Central Florida going to the theme park, um, wearing red shirts to make them visible. So not explicitly calling out, but all wearing that the red shirt to kind of signify what the purpose of their attendance in that day was. A few years later, by 95, the event grew to 10,000. Um, traveling for the day, and by 2010, we had over 150,000 in attendance. Wow. So, really cool thing to see happening at Disney and happening in general. Um, you know, something like that building and growing support over the years. Now, again, I've never been there myself, but doing some of the research here about gay days at Disney, there's all kinds of events they do. There's speakers that come in to talk about the community. and So... This isn't a promoted thing at Disney. This isn't like an official thing that they do. It's kind of, um, I don't want to say kept quiet, but it's just not promoted. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. It is a spoken but not written type of event. Gotcha. Um, and even looking at their Wikipedia page, you'll see a lot of things in quotations around the word such as officials so they bring in speakers like who brings them in does disney bring them in or does is there a group that goes to disney every year that organizes this it's a group that organizes it. okay um and that's kind of like their location for doing it um and so there's a local double tree down there that's dubbed itself kind of the official hotel for the event um and that's where they had the cons uh, the convention space that they rent out to to have the speakers and host the events so kind of cool and you know one of the things on there talk about you know some attendees see it as a way to reclaim some of the normal joys of childhood that they may have had lost to homophobia in their earlier years and you know it's something where growing up whether you're 
out or in the closet or anywhere in between, childhood can be a very difficult time. Um, while childhood can be difficult for everybody, it's especially difficult living in that kind of situation and having that quote-unquote lifestyle. I think it's important to to be able to celebrate these types of things and allow people to have that time and space to to celebrate themselves, their diversity, and what better place to do it than Disney that is super supportive of all things diversity and, and inclusion. We're trying to chase off the dog from chewing his bone too close to the microphone. <laughs> just, just embrace the chewing. At least he's being good. So I think it's, it's awesome that this happens. I wish it were something Disney would promote. I think it'd be great for them to get involved in that sort of um, you know, support of the community. But I think it's wonderful that they even just, you know, kind of accept and allow them to do this in the first place. You know, I guess that's half the battle. Yeah, it's, you know, and, you know, Disney, you know, as part of that diversity and inclusion, while they won't outgoingly promote it, they do allow it and they accept everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the reasons that they probably aren't promoting it is a lot of the criticism they get from very conservative or religious family groups that's something we can talk about a little later with even just having openly gay characters in their films they catch a lot of flack for that yeah and it's kind of ridiculous because it's 2018 Mm -hmm. and this stuff should be okay yep but they do catch a lot of flack they're under they are very heavily scrutinized when they do things like that so i i understand but i also kind of wish disney would just be like fuck it we'll do what we think is right Mm -hmm. and you handle it and accept it and get over it. Do you know anyone that's gone to gay days? I I do not. I you know I have a couple gay couple friends that have proposed, been proposed to, or proposed at Disney World. I have um, some gay friends that have gone down there for their honeymoon, but I don't know explicitly of any that have gone down there for gay days at Disney World. So. And this happens the whole month? Yeah, so it's celebrated during the month of June. There is a specific time frame, I believe, that they... I was going to say, is there like a set of days that they do everything? Yeah, it's It's like a... First week of June. First week of June? Okay. Which, yeah, June being the kind of national coming out month and LGBTQ month. It'd be the right time for them to do that. Yeah, I think so. Do we want to talk about some of the Disney characters? Yes. You know... So as we talked about kind of the gay days at Disney and, you know, some of the flack they've gone, even though Disney continues to kind of pseudo support it, we can definitely reference some Disney characters that have come out over the years, um, especially some of the ones more recently where Disney is stretching those norms, kind of pushing the boundaries of acceptance and again, continuing that diversity and inclusion path. So, I mean, obviously, I think the the first one on everyone's list in recent memory is going to be from the live-action Beauty and the Beast with Josh Gad playing Le Fou. Yes. Is, is that even how you say it? Le Fou. Le Fou. So, they, they, Disney straight up came out and said, you know, Le Fou is, is gay in this film. He's mm-hmm. an openly gay character. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can kind of see that in his, you know, he lusts after Gaston. Who wouldn't? But, you know, we see a man lusting after another man. That's something that Disney hasn't been blatantly honest about. 
I'm not going to say they haven't been blatantly obvious in doing that sort of thing before because I think they have. But this is the first time they've owned up to doing it. Yeah. And I think it's awesome. Yes. And I love Josh Gad. He's wonderful. I think he did a great job playing LeFou. But as we stated earlier, I mean, they caught so much flack for that. Oh, I yeah. think there were there was like a bunch of conservatives calling for the boycott of the live-action Beauty and the mm-hmm. Beast, which is completely ridiculous to me. I guess it's what I should come to expect by now. But why? You know, it's interesting. Um, growing up closeted in a very, very conservative very Christian religious area that is a norm there. And, you know, as I've grown up and moved down to more of the city area mm-hmm. where it, there's a lot more diversity and a lot more people and a lot more different backgrounds and cultural everything. It's really interesting to see the difference of the two kind of cultures and societies And now that I've gotten a chance to kind of understand what those two look like, I do have empathy and understanding towards why people believe what they do. Mm -hmm. And I think if I didn't, I would be just as bad as the people that bash that shit. Right. And what's important to call out is like, you know, the fact that people get so upset over these things should clearly show that it comes from a lack of understanding, ignorance, a lack of awareness, yeah. ignorance, hate, fear. Fear predominantly is a big thing. Oh, absolutely. Especially when it comes to religious um, reasons why they don't support it. Fear is oh, yeah. huge. Absolutely. And, you know, the fact that you, you know, if you don't want your kids watching it because there is a gay character, by all means, they don't get to watch a live action Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. However, what a better opportunity to teach your kids to not just no matter what you believe being able to just accept uh, accept somebody and provide them with a platform to understand them and to get to know them i think is what disney's real intent is behind Mm -hmm. you know injecting gay characters into their films as well as a lot of other things they do to ensure that diversity and inclusion no i think you're spot on i think that this is a great opportunity for these people who don't support you know sexual orientation of any kind that's not heterosexual to educate themselves, educate their children and understand that like, you know, this isn't something that I support, but it is a part of our world. Mm -hmm. It is something you're going to see Mm -hmm. in your lifetime. And while you may not um, agree with these people and, and, you know, their feelings and their choices so to speak uh it it's important for you to respect that yes and to still treat them as humans absolutely and that's kind of where i don't get the whole backlash type of thing yeah because they're disney's not asking you to agree with it they're not asking you to shoving the gay down your throat exactly yeah they're not asking you to be gay to say that it's right because they can't do that Nobody can. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's representing, you know, the population. Mm -hmm. It's representing real people. You know, people have been gay since the dawn of time. Yes. It is a thing that has always been there. Yes. 
and will always be there. Whether we want to say it or not. Yeah, and it's not just in humans. It's cross species. Mm-hmm. Like it is, It's just a thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really proud of Disney for just absolutely coming out and saying this this is <laughs> yeah out. they they uh came out and uh said that lefou is gay i think it's wonderful i think they need to do more of that yeah and really be empowered by it agreed and it's okay if people want to boycott it because it's disney they're still gonna they're gonna be fine and that's why you know also why i think it's so important for them and for so many other big companies and platforms that have influence like that because, you know, you think of the backlash that movie got for a character that has 10 minutes of screen time. Yeah. When you think about it. And just imagine them doing that with a main character or a focal character, the complete uproar that you'd have. And again, you know, as being somebody who is gay and who grew up in the world I did, it is so damaging and dampening to an individual to... To think that just a, the teeniest ounce of exposing who they are can invoke so much hate and backlash from exactly. another person. That's absolutely And I think, you know, is, if people take the time to really think about that, put your own thoughts and things aside, put yourself in somebody else's shoes, look at something objectively, and, you know, to our religious friends out there, think of what Jesus would do. He would love everyone. He would. Do you guys remember the crazy reaction people had to the the supposed, not even officially declared, supposed lesbian couple in one shot of Finding Dory? Oh my gosh! I haven't. I still haven't watched yeah. that. Ellen had to like talk about it on, her, like address it on her show, and she's like, "There's a shot where there's a girl standing next to another girl with short hair that doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything." Mm-hmm. But it was like this huge controversy for. A Why while. is it even a controversy? Well, there's a few more recent. There was uh, the one Disney show, Good Luck Charlie, or something like that. It's a newer Disney Channel uh, show. And there was an episode where, you know, the little girl that's a main character, her parents were setting up a play date with one of her friends. Um, and she was telling her parents, like, about the little girl, her little friend's parents. And the parents were confused as to who, like, what was going on because it was two female names. And when the parents show up with their daughter, they were, it was a lesbian couple. Mm-hmm. Now, the way they did the show, the parents were like, you could tell they quickly like figured out what was up and like, were cool, everything went on. But I think it's, again, one of those cool things that they do to, you know, include all different types of families. Because here's the thing, there, there's a lot of families out there that are same gender parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think more importantly than being accepting and welcoming of gay people individually... As a a parent and a couple, a gay couple that's parents, it ups the ante even that much more because not only do you have to worry about your own personal, you know, welfare and the things people say and do, but now you have a child and you have to be mindful and concerned with how they're upbringing and how people perceive them as a child and because of their parents and things like mm-hmm. that. So, you know, again, Disney making these little moves towards those things just to give that exposure I think is important, super important. I agree. And going to other Disney films that have, you know, done this, uh, Frozen, they had a gay couple with children. Yes. Um, I've, what is it? Oaken's Trading Post? Yes. He's he's gay. They, they flash to a scene where his family is in the sauna, mm-hmm. and it's clearly another man with children. 
that don't look like either of them. So it's a gay couple that has adopted children. Yes. And I think that's awesome. Yes. That caught a lot of, sh- a lot of shit too. It did. Um, and it, <laughs> it, it's, it just seems ridiculous to me maybe because like I'm older and I'm just in that headspace where, you know, this is normal. This mm-hmm. is okay. It's hard, uh, for me to keep in mind that there are older generations that don't agree with it. There, I mean, there are people my age mm-hmm. and younger that don't agree with it. And Absolutely. Like you said earlier, I need to be respectful of that too and understand that, you know, they have just as much right to voice their opposition as Disney does to say, hey, we're going to do this. This couple is gay mm-hmm. in our movie and it's mm-hmm. okay. And so it's crazy because I remember when I watched that movie and I saw that scene. It is so quick that I, I didn't literally even realize had to, like, it at first. Find the split second of the clip and pause it just to confirm. I didn't notice it till my second watch through of the movie. I didn't even catch it the first time. But then when I realized it and I looked it up, I was like, oh. Yeah, I thought it, it was, was sweet. So cool. Yeah. And especially for them to also portray somebody who's not your your typical what society would look at as your feminine, effeminate gay. And, mm-hmm. you know, those really, very. Yeah, he's very tough. Yeah, he's, and even, he's a dude. And that's important to also mm-hmm. showcase. That it's like, there not, is no stereotype. Like, you have your gay stereotypes, yes. but that's not what every gay person is. Exactly. And it's, I think it's a great way to not just break the gay stereotype, but break stereotypes in general. Because at the end yeah. of the day, we are all effing people. We're all We're humans. all different. We all just want love yes. to give it and receive. We're all the same on the inside. And yeah, it doesn't matter. So I'm, I'm really happy Disney's taking these small steps. I wish they would just, I wish they would be more in your face mm-hmm. with it. That'll come with time, I suppose. Uh, in, in my research, I found that they've kind of been doing these little things um, for a long time. Yeah. There was uh, an article uh, that in Harper's Bazaar in March of 2017, so a little over a year ago now, where they kind of, they researched the, these films and, and kind of like hidden um, gay characters, and they kind of listed them uh, as as there's ones that they say are gay and, and ones as queer. And they they noted the difference between the two. Like gay is, you know, a homosexual type relationship uh, or sexual orientation and that queer is something um familiar but weird Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of queer characters in that you know they have a lot of males that have feminine tendencies Mm -hmm. but there's no outright you know there's nothing gay about them so the first film that this writer noticed some queer or possibly gay uh characteristics in an animated uh disney film was actually their short called ferdinand the bull Mm -hmm. and ferdinand's this bull that is doesn't display any masculine traits he's very um they they describe him as sleepy-eyed he's not interested in fighting in bullfighting like the other bulls are he's more content to kind of sleep under the tree and smell the flowers and when he does finally um face the bullfighter the matador he's more intrigued by the matador's bouquet of flowers than he is by actually fighting him and so he kind of just becomes a little bit of like a puppy dog and it's just all about these flowers and they described it as as queer but it's possible disney was kind of creating a gay character and mm-hmm. this was you know a long time ago 1930s or so 
So they're not going to be out. No, you know, not they're not going to be forthcoming and saying that this bull is gay. Mm-hmm. But they give him some feminine traits to kind of allude to that. Yeah. So they've been doing this kind of thing for a while. And, and they talk about, um, you know, Hook. Hook's a grown man, and yet he's messing with a little boy. And he dresses very flamboyantly, and he's kind of a sissy, and is very feminine. Um, so they they too listed him as, as queer, but he was also created during a time where, you know, the Boys Beware video was out about, you know, men preying on little boys mm-hmm. and taking advantage of them. So is this, you know, an adult gay man preying on a little boy type of story and they you know made him a pirate versus you know this Mm -hmm. peter pan Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting because you know like that character um you know one that i saw they were talking about uh hades from hercules and talking about how he kind of had a very sassy effeminate persona hades is great yes hades is a great character but now you know at the same time it's something we're also going to clarify that you can be effeminate and not be gay. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have people who are metrosexual. Absolutely. It's And so that's another thing that I want to point out is like, again, everybody can be who they want to be. And it's our own fault and choice to assign labels to everything. And so, well, I mean, you know, as we sit here and discuss this, you know, cool thing that Disney's doing to kind of break the norms. I think it's one thing that we as society else got to be mindful of is as we attempt to break these norms, not to create more kind of buckets and categories of people to fall into. I completely agree. I think Disney has kind of uh, done themselves a disservice in feeding us a lot of these princess prince stories. Mm-hmm. And so when it's particularly when watching a Disney film, we want to put these characters in buckets. Oh, it's a sidekick. Oh, it's the prince. It's the princess. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So when you have these characters like Hook or even minor characters like LeFou and Oaken, mm-hmm. like you want to be able to put them in a bucket, but you you can't. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's some freedom in that they're secondary characters, secondary third dairy, th- or third um, characters that they can have some fun. Yeah. Because they're not so important that you're going to be able to label them or put them in a bucket. So they can kind of give them some wacky traits and mm-hmm. and make them a little you know ambigu- uh, ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So I think like maybe they're having some fun. I think absolutely they're representing different types of, of people that, you know, you can be feminine as a male. You can be masculine as a female. You can be gay. You can be metrosexual. You could be bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of bisexual, that that leads you to Mulan and Captain Lee Shang. And there are so many articles and, and essays written about, I mean, you can go basically anywhere on the internet and find a topic about Captain Lee Shang from Mulan and, and is he bisexual? Is he gay? Is he straight? Mm-hmm. Because he falls in love with Mulan at, after first knowing her as Ping, her male alter ego. Mm-hmm. So was he in love with Ping and then Mulan or was he just in love with Mulan? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people say he's bisexual. Like he was attracted, you know, he fell for Ping. Mm-hmm. And then when Ping became Mulan or was revealed to be Mulan, he it didn't matter mm-hmm. because he was bisexual. Mm-hmm. I really like the the theory that he's pansexual. Mm-hmm. So like he just doesn't see gender mm-hmm. and he just sees like someone that he he's attracted to, somebody he's interested in. Yeah. Whether it's physically, mentally, 
you know, it, it could be anything, yeah. but it doesn't, the gender doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of the real beauty in that. And, you know, not to the pansexuals out there when you're able to truly just look at an individual for being an individual. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another cool, it, it's again, it's one of those little tidbits that they put in there just enough, you know, here we are, how many years after that movie come out talking about it and being able to relate it to today and just that little tiny snippet of information, it's important. And and so much of me wonders, you know, was any of that purposeful in Mulan? Did they realize what they were doing? Mm -hmm. And and there's a good chance that they didn't do it on purpose. And there's a good chance that they did. And there's a good chance that they did. <laughs> and, and you think about it, if they didn't do it on purpose, like still what an impact that has on people. Yeah. You can inadvertently affect so many people who really relate to this character when you didn't even intend for it to happen. Yep. It's just a really awesome connection that people can make with characters. Um, the Disney, Disney has done so many times, you know, and I think it, it's awesome. I love the whole story of Shang being bisexual or pansexual. Mm -hmm. I think it adds a whole new twist to Mulan and makes it, even deeper than just this girl trying to save her father. Yeah. So. It's all the little elements and, and intricacies of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm trying to think. Some others. Oh, um, you know, one I saw was King Candy from Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, I saw that one too. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and in the movie, he has a very limp-wristed, flamboyant, very pink and purple-dressed king mm -hmm. who is, they claim, has kind of those gay tendencies. When I watched the movie, I didn't necessarily get that vibe from it. I thought of it more of him just kind of being a king of kind of candy land, and that's just who he was. But, you know, again, it's just one of those things of breaking the social norms and stereotypes of what a person should or shouldn't be. And just Disney saying, screw it, we're going to make this person be this person, and you're going to love it for that anyways. I have to thank Matt for being... Uh part producer, part dog wrangler tonight. My bulldog is literally doing everything in his power to just chew his bone on top of all our microphone wires. I forget what film it was, but two of the animators on it, or maybe two of the voice actors, I forget, some, something like that, in, in this Disney movie were gay, but their characters supposedly weren't. That's a lot. Yeah. We also have, you know, not only do we have gay characters in films, but then we have non-gay characters portrayed by um, gay actors and actresses. I mean, everybody loves Finding Nemo, but nobody's going to give shit because Dory's voiced by Ellen DeGeneres, which is... I love Ellen. Yeah, Ellen's amazing. She is. Ellen, live or die by Ellen. Um, you have the... Um, Executive producer and lyricist for Beauty and the Beast, Howard Ashman, who was an openly gay man. Um, Didn't he also do... Um, Little Mermaid. Yes, and he died of AIDS, actually. Didn't he? Mm -hmm. Right before Beauty and the Beast came out. Mm -hmm. and then they he... had a tribute to him in the credits. Yes. Yep. It's one of those things. It's, you know, it's... It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And everything. And just as you will have different races, different religions, different people of culture and opinion and political, you're going to have different sexual orientations. And, you know, this episode is focused a lot on sexual orientation and the gay culture because it's the month of June and we're talking about um, Pride Month. But, you know, I do want to also stress that 
while Disney does these things, it is about that greater thing of diversity and inclusion. And then no matter who you are, what background you come from, you can you're be a represented. Part of this world and you're part of the Disney world. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, Ursula was based on a, on a drag queen. Yes. Ursula was based on a drag queen. What was it? Divine? Divine mm-hmm. the drag queen? And Divine. The idea of basing on Divine is extra strange if you know the history of Divine because mm-hmm. there isn't like. Divine is a very well known drag queen. And the part, the reason why Divine is such a well-known drag queen is because her association with John Waters. Uh, and John Waters, for those of you who don't know, is a very, very flamboyant gay icon uh, who did a lot of X-rated films in the 70s starring Divine that pushed the boundaries of decency. And his whole concept, it, it was a very... Um, it was very representative of kind of the, the gay culture of the 70s, which is like... If you're going to ignore us, we're going to make it so you can no longer ignore us type mm-hmm. attitude. So Divine was really tied with that movement. Um, part of the thing with her as a drag queen versus most is, you know, you look at RuPaul or you look at the people who appear in RuPaul's Drag Race. And the whole idea is to look as feminine as humanly possible that you pass as a woman. Mm-hmm. And Divine was the total opposite of it. Mm-hmm. It was try to look like the trashiest. Like she was... For lack of a better term, she was like the Kesha of drag queens. Oh like God, it was like, yes. how trashy and disgusting can you be to shock the system? So it's yeah. like, not only are they basing Ursula on a drag queen, but almost she's based on the anti-drag queen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the shock value. Yeah, they're they're basing Ursula on the shock value of a drag queen. Um, you know, the drag queen that made the statement. That's what she's based on. Of course, she's a villain because pff, you're a being... woman, you're a villain. Well, and that's like, and that's what's cool. I think about, it. and that's why it ties so well to Ursula. Because it's not about you know the drag queen persona, Matt, as you were saying about in more recent years about being you know beautiful and talented and can dance and and lip sync and all these fun things. But to Divine's purpose and point, it was about standing out and breaking the signs and breaking the noise. And it was about not being silenced. Yeah. Yes, and that's very much Ursula's character. Oh yeah, I mean, she takes Ariel's voice. <laughs> she literally silences her nemesis in, in the film, which is kind of what you know, Divine and, and the drag queens like her were trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think it's. Um, I feel like this is a good time to mention this documentary because I think it covers a lot of what we were, what you guys have been talking about. But there is a. Um, incredible documentary that I recommend everybody check out called The Celluloid Closet from 1991, I want to say. And it's about the history of gay representation in cinema. And they talk a lot about kind of the similar stuff that we're talking about on this episode of for the longest time, until very recently, if you were a gay character in a movie, you were either the sissy or you were a villain. And those were the only two categories that they would put you in. Mm -hmm. And then maybe in the late 80s and 90s, it was you were the sissy, you were the villain, or you were the drag queen or the the comedic relief character Mm -hmm. or the character that was dying of AIDS. Mm -hmm. Like it was one of those five categories. That was all you could be. Mm -hmm. And it... It's only been in the last maybe 10 or 15 years, really it's since Will and Grace, has it been that a character can just be a person. We're seeing that Disney kind of was falling in that same category for a long time where their characters, if their characters had any type of gay traits, they were usually either a sissy or they were a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or L- both. LeFou mm-hmm. was a, a sissy and Ursula's a villain. Hook's both. 
Yeah, Hook is both. Uh, Mr. Candy could be both. He was both. What was another thing as they were saying about, I read about like Elsa possibly being gay. A lesbian. And, yeah. yeah, and having like a wife in the second one of being a surprise that Disney might do. They might. Speaking of, of gay characters or, or feminine uh, ma- male characters, you know, Disney has broken norms. Um, kind of what we mentioned a few seconds ago off of the podcast was, you know, Princess Tiana being the first, you know, African-American princess that took, you know, a really long time to get to, but they finally, you know, broke that wall. Mm-hmm. And, and we have, you know, a black princess now, mm-hmm. which is, which is so important for, you know, little, little African-American girls and or really any, any little girl of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see what uh, black Panther recently did for the entire black community, how empowering that was for them to see, themselves on the big screen and what a big moment that was so Mm -hmm. i can only imagine you know if i had been you know a girl of color like finally seeing a princess that looked like me that i could dress up as for halloween yeah yeah or and have a doll of a disney princess that i i can relate to you know i'm i'm really privileged in that you know a lot of the disney princesses look like me I can't imagine not having that until when, when did that come out? 2009, 2010? Mm-hmm. Way too long. Mm-hmm. Way too long. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to think, you know, besides before that, really the only pseudo Disney princess that came out of a non Caucasian background would have been Pocahontas. Well, Jasmine too. And Jasmine. Oh my God. Jasmine. Jasmine. She yeah. was a princess. Duh. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think it is important, and it, it's it's crazy to think, given Disney's history, and you know, for example, with the gay community, about them kind of starting to push those norms and social stigmas. It's surprising that with you know a lot of the civil rights movement movement that took place in the middle of the century, why there wasn't more of that being pushed as well from Disney's perspective. And why didn't they didn't why they didn't start sooner with with that situation and and that whole generation? I, I feel like Disney plays it safe a lot. Yeah, they do. They really do play it safe, um, and so I think that's why you know, not until relatively recently, like the '90s, when Aladdin and Pocahontas and Mulan, I guess they were all at the same time. Yeah, you know, all came to be that you know this was a normal thing, and mm-hmm. you know now we've got Tiana, we've got you know uh, Moana. From the Polynesian Islands, mm-hmm. you know, the, I feel like they're starting to represent um, people of color, people from all over the world. I, I, I'm interested to see if they'll ever do an interracial couple. I'm trying to think, have they done anything? I like know. That? I was just trying to rack my brain if, to see if they had ever done that. I definitely don't think in an animated film. But you know, why can't you know the the lead female be? Hispanic and the lead male be Asian or something, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last year, Wrinkle in Time, the uh, the daughter yeah. was a mixed child from a white father. Mm-hmm. And, Chris Pine yeah. and um, I forget the mom. Yeah, I can't either. I was going to say one of the other ways that I just thought of they broke social norms. We talked about it 
uh, in this month's news episode. There's going to be a uh, walk around character in the parks now of Red, the, uh, the the female pirate that they added to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, and it's been such like a, a big deal lately because, and I didn't realize it until I went to the park recently. Yeah, up until literally this year, if you were a little girl riding the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, the only representation that you had in that ride was as a woman tied up to be sold as a sex slave. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and like, updating yeah. that to wow. have a female pirate. And now they're selling these female pirate outfits and swords. And, like, I saw with my own eyes little girls getting really excited to see, like, oh, my God, there's a female. I could be a pirate. And, like, that's something that just happened in 2018. There's still so many boundaries to and They're playing catch-up for a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. I think. But it's good that they're even playing it, you know. They could choose not to play catch-up at all. Yep. But they are. So I think that's awesome. I would really love to see an animated film with an interracial couple. You know, I'd love to see just more cultures explored. Like what they did with Coco is so awesome. Like really dive into some of these cultures, you know, sacred days and sacred, you know, ceremonies and beliefs. And and let's get a a feel for it. Like Moana and and the Voyagers. Let's get a piece of history here. I think it's so important. Um, and, And something that I think they're starting to do more of. And I hope they continue to do a lot more in the future if maybe they could get off this whole live-action kick that they're on, remaking everything they've already done. But You know they've run out of ideas. Yeah. Thank goodness we still have Pixar for the animations. Right. When they make a, a witch the villain in Mulan, they've run out of ideas. It, this is something that I could talk about continuously about all different subjects and aspects, but... Bottom line, Disney, I hope they keep doing what they're doing. To the people that get to watch and enjoy Disney, you know, if you don't agree with something, it's your choice to watch it or not. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's still life and these people still exist. Yeah, and remember there's a lesson to take from it. Yes. You don't have to agree with everything, but you can have a takeaway from it regardless of that. Yeah. And if a kid's movie can give you so much anger, maybe you should look inside to see why yeah, you're so angry. Yeah, look, look down deep place. and see why Disney's pissing you off so much. And if you just need to smile, talk to your local gay community and they will do what they can to cheer you up. Right. Because they're usually pretty bubbly. If not, they're bitchy. So you get a 50-50 shot. I feel like they're usually pretty accepting too. You can come in and be like, I don't necessarily agree with this. And they'll be like, well, why? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the, they'll kind of dive into why and not just be like, yeah. Unless you're wearing flip-flops and you're not at the beach. Don't do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is everything the two of us can really think of right now. I'm sure lots of you have opinions, things that we didn't pick up on and, and talk about, and I would love to hear from you. We both would. I want to be exposed to more uh, of the the norms that Disney has broken that maybe we didn't pick up on or maybe we just forgot about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to any of our listeners, followers, anybody in the LGBTQ community, um, you know, what characters do you find yourself drawn to? You know, what's the first time you remember feeling that you were represented by Disney? And, you know, have you ever been to Gay Days at Disney Week? So if so, tell us what it was like and you can let us know by emailing us at disneydopodcast at gmail.com or contacting us via our Facebook page, 
Disney Dose. Next week, we will be talking news once again and reading your emails. So make sure you get that in before we record that episode so we can discuss. Hit that send button. Fading in and out. Whoa. The conservatives heard us. Kind of. They're shutting us down. I hear us less. Do you see them? They're they're playing tug of war with the bone right now. Look at that. Andrew, you're missing it. It's like a beautiful tug of war. (laughs) (laughs) This is unreal. (laughs) 